Welcome to the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. I'm Neil. I'm the Big Mouth Pharmacist. I'm a pretty sarcastic, slightly unprofessional healthcare professional, a holistic pharmacist here to talk about everything wellness, weed, and Woodstock. We broadcast from the most famous small town in America, where I hold court as the town's family pharmacist who tries to get people off their medicines and onto a wellness program free of the BS and misinformation of the natural products industry. Today's episode is the first of many conversations that I want to have to help people be more aware of the reality they face. One of the problems that I have with the natural products industry is being able to weed out the fakers from the experts. So I'm here today with Dana and we're going to talk about how to find the frauds and how to be better prepared and equipped to make decisions about who you can and can't trust in the industry. So Dana, I am thinking about taking guitar lessons. Are you? <laughs> it's I, I need a hobby with in between my four children, my family, you know, my wife and running a, a, a two businesses. I, I need something to fill up my free time. So I'm going to yeah, learn guitar lessons. I mean, get it together. You're <laughs> an adult. <laughs> so what should I do to find somebody to teach me guitar? What do you think? Uh, well, I mean, I would probably just ask some friends if they know anybody that they like. Good point. Okay. Um, maybe uh, Google it. I Google's. mean, how, how do you research something like that? You right. just ask around, I guess. Right. And I like you find somebody, you check reviews, you, 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 you try to bring that social aspect to it. And, th and then you go and you, and you get a guitar teacher, right? And you go and, and hopefully your first lesson's good. And this is not a joke. I took one guitar lesson here in town and I thought I was going to like strike gold because it's Woodstock, of course. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, the guy the entire time talked about all the different, uh, things he's done. And I played three chords. That was it. Helpful. It, it was it was insane. That was my first lesson. I'm like, I, I definitely am not going back. So so there's the first, you know, couple relationships, the the bedside manner of that person. Mm. But let's pretend that you find somebody that has lots of experience, say, like has played in a band for a long time, that has good reviews, has taught people. Those are things that would make you feel comfortable with the decision. And and then like let's say that uh, you go to a couple lessons and you like them and and you start playing and and after, you know, some short time you get these great results and you're playing music. Right? Yeah. That, that would sound like a success story, right? I mean, that, that's, that's the dream, I guess. The dream, right? Yeah. So let's pretend now that that gentleman goes away and then you get a new guitar teacher. This person's actually like has a musical degree. They, mm -hmm. they went and they studied the theory and all of that stuff. And they've been teaching and they've had lots of practical experience playing in lots of different situations, environment. They're like, oh man, your technique is a mess. And there's some foundational things wrong. And while you may have got results, it actually harmed you in the long term, right? So now you have to relearn all of the things that you were doing before. But before you know it, you're actually way better off than you were before. So both of those people are doing the right thing. Both of those people are, um, you know, um, I would say trustworthy experts in the thing. But there's two very, very different experiences there that you wouldn't really know unless you were that expert. So it's very difficult for somebody that doesn't know how to play guitar to tell if I'm going to go down one path or the other. And with the supplement industry, um, it's even worse because there, there's two other paths, which are these people are like doing something that could possibly harm you or, or completely mislead you. Right. I knew so, you were going somewhere with that. <laughs> you know, I got an analogy for everything. So the guitar analogy is the, is, is the big one. So, you know, we, we hit on a, a few things. We're talking about the quality of the recommendations, the social aspects. So, right. you know, like reviews, the, you know, the training, you know, the credentials, um, the information. Are they telling you real things? Or are they making stuff up? Oh, well, that's the G chord. Well, no, that's actually a D chord, dude. Like you're completely <laughs> wrong. Or like, you know, the, you know, this strumming technique is the best strumming technique. And it's like this weird thing. Where, you know, one of our patients actually uh, at the pharmacy here is uh, an accomplished musician that has the worst technique. And he'll tell you, he like does the guitar upside down and backwards. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's funny. I'll show uh, if if I get his permission, I'll, I'll show a video with our podcast notes here. But yeah, but, yeah, but he learned completely backwards. And like he, he says, he's the worst person to learn from <laughs> the expertise, though. He is an accomplished musician with with, you know, so he, so all of these factors go into play. And, and these same kinds of things come up when we're choosing experts or even supplement companies to work with. So um, the you know, the idea here is that it's an unregulated market. 
mm-hmm. right? So there's no minimum requirements, right? You don't have to have certain credentials to be a guitar teacher or, and there's technically not some sort of minimum to say that you can be a supplement expert. You can just read a lot about supplements. And as long as you know more than the person you're talking to, you're the expert, right? That's true. Um, there's no third party accountability in an unregulated market. So there's nobody that comes after you if you're if you're an unlicensed, you know, quote unquote practitioner and you're giving people supplement advice, but you're giving them wrong advice. Who's going to yell at you? You know, like who, who's going to hold you accountable to that advice where me, I'm a pharmacist. If I'm downstairs giving people the wrong medicine or the wrong advice, I'm going to get a phone call. And I've I have gotten those phone calls before. Right. Um, so what I'd like to do is like shed light on all of this from a consumer advocacy standpoint. So one of the things that I, I you know, everybody downstairs wanted to make sure my, my staff here wanted me to make sure that I, I, I let them know is that this is coming from a place of how do we, how do we, uh, help our consumers make better decisions? Not, um, not putting people down for making bad decisions. That's not what we're doing. And we're also not beating up practitioners. There's plenty of practitioners that, um, that are excellent, that are doing the right thing. Um, and they may not fall into a couple of the things that we're talking about, but they're still really good people and they're doing the right thing. So we're going to try to like paint with some broad strokes, but you know, the foundational piece here is that we're, we're trying to help, you know, we're trying, we're trying to help consumers. So, you know, in an unregulated market, uh, you can take the easiest path because no one's scrutinizing you. And in, and in, in some situations it costs more to do the right thing. You know, it, that that would make sense. You want quality if you want actual longevity. If you don't care, then I guess you wouldn't care. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're out to make a profit, it's cheaper to to sometimes cut corners. It's it's better to make outrageous claims. You get more attention. You know, so it's it's almost like to do the right thing in a market where f- people can fake that they're high quality, can fake that they're experts, versus doing all of the energy and and work to do the right thing. The fakers make out more because they have higher profit margins. They're not doing enough testing. They're, you know, they're they're making all these claims, and and there's there's a higher cost there. So the bad is is that you have a bunch of fakers. But you know how the the real tough piece, and this is something that we struggle with as a practice, is like if we are out here trying to like live with integrity and do the right thing, how do we differentiate ourselves to someone else? I've always said that I'm pretty confident in what I say, and I I'm a pretty decent like uh, sales guy, you know, like I could probably be a real jerk and like tell people <laughs> the wrong stuff and totally sell out and give people bad advice for higher profits. I could I could say that all my stuff is quality and we do all of this stuff and not do it and and make a ton of money. So how do I differentiate myself from that other guy that I could be? And uh, and that's that's a, a real important thing for, you know, the, the good guys to say, how can we stand out amongst the sea of like fakers? Um, you know, <laughs> my favorite example of this, I wrote this down for the, the, the notes here. Uh, you're a Russian puppet. No puppet. You're the puppet. <laughs> right. So if you're watching that debate and you're going and you're you're informed and you're like, oh, my God, I know what's going on here. And that's so clear that what is what's going on. But if you're uninformed you have one person saying one thing and one person saying the opposite about the other. How do you know which one is which, right? Because they're both saying True. the same thing, right? So, um, so I, I've, uh, uh, introduced at, uh, I think in my most recent article that, that went out the supplement bell curve, You've, you're familiar with bell curves, yeah, not but... being a mathematician. So, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. so a bell curve, you know, it's got the hump in the middle. It's like a, a camel's back, right? So it's yeah, like okay, small sure. on the yep. one side, small on the other side. And in the middle, it's that big hump. It, I don't know if you know this, but it was named after the mathematician, not because his name was bell, but because he wore hats that look like the curve. Oh, weird. No, I'm just kidding. That's, oh. total, that's total nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Way but, to differentiate yourself. <laughs> yes, with horrible jokes. So, but no, I call it the supplement bell curve. So if you look at a traditional bell curve, the, you know, there's the main group in the middle where most things fall into. And then there's the outliers or what mm-hmm. they're called on the low side and on the high side. So if supplements and experts fall into that too, most of us, not, well, most of them are in the middle, I would say, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the mediocre middle is what I've been calling it. And then you have like the trash department, which is the bad stuff all on the end that could, you know, outright liars or they're, um, they have potentially harmful products and, you know, the, the, the real baddies. And then on the edge, you have the people that are doing the right thing and they're approaching what I call best in class. So that's, that's kind of how it falls out. So I'm not saying like we're the only good guys and everybody else is a bad guy. I'm saying that, you know, pretty much you'll, you'll be okay, you know, in the middle. But mm-hmm. what we want for everybody is, is 
to be in that other edge and look for that and and try to to be in the the best in class area. So, um, you know, one of the things I want to talk to, I actually brought this up to my shrink today. Mm -hmm. So I have a shrink and he's going to be on the podcast uh, in two weeks. We're going to do meditation and mindfulness. It's going to be awesome. So um, we were talking about this because this is an issue for him too. And, uh, you know, the why, why, why is it that these fakers can, can be out there and can, can, can do this. And it's really because from a consumer standpoint, we're burnt out, you Mm -hmm. know, there's so much information out there. Right. And so now because we know so much about marketing and how to manipulate people through our awesome capitalist society, we we've done a really, (laughs) we've done such a great job manipulating people. So, you know, we're tired, we're consuming way too much info, our guards constantly up. So we're looking for like shortcuts to help us with this. And this is why Facebook spams your feed with like headlines and memes because that's all we really have time to consume they really want me to buy skinny fit (laughs) (laughs) really bad don't buy it (laughs) and and or or they want me to believe xyz about whatever political thing or or the 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 big thing on social media right now is vaccines and the anti-vax movement and all of that what we see is manipulated to get us to do things and uh, and you know uh you know, so we look at reviews like we were talking about. So what's the social aspect of this? But the reviews are made up. It, it's We can make up reviews uh, that say the thing is great. We can make up reviews that say the thing is horrible. So, you know, we're we're tired and we're looking for these shortcuts. And all of these guys are exploiting these shortcuts. So um, that's a, a real important thing. To, you know, to I was actually hired to write reviews on Amazon. And I, they said that you get to keep the product. So I was ready to write real reviews. But they kept sending me like hair growth things for for, mostly for men like beard growth and all that and i was like i can't use this and i can't in good conscience write a fake review so you know thanks but uh, no thanks wow yeah so that i mean it does highlight the issue i mean you know the 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 power of these things it's it's tremendous you know and i'm thankfully you didn't try any beard grower because i mean i think i like your beard just the way it is well i I keep it trimmed (laughs) you know a little bit longer in the winter time but (laughs) um so for consumers you know Basically, I don't want you to be fatigued because by the end of this, you're going to be like, oh, I don't want to have to ask all these questions. But that's the truth is that in order to make great wellness decisions, there's work that has to be done. And that work involves asking tough questions and 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 doing your your, your homework here. So, um, you know, health and wellness are important. You know, one of the analogies I've always done is like when we, we look to reviews, we, you know, for healthcare practitioners or supplements, we're not picking hotels that we're staying at on vacation. We're picking something that's supposed to modify our health. So while the reviews are important, they should just be a small portion of the, of the total uh, picture. So let's first start out by talking about supplement manufacturers um, and, and how to like discern like what's going on there. So the the first thing is that if you put any of these groups, manufacturers or these experts that are out there, you can put them into basically two groups, people that are doing the right thing and people that are doing wrong thing. That was, you know, that's, that's really tough, you know, Mm-hmm. tough tough decision to make mm. good and bad right you know we know that life isn't like that and good thing people do bad things and bad people do good things but in general you put them into those two two big bins so let's talk about people that are doing the wrong thing so the first kind you have people that are profiting on doing the wrong thing right these are the people that are intentionally or even unintentionally doing things incorrectly and they're making money on it and like this is their business model right mm-hmm. so this is like the corrupt gov- you know groups and th- that kind of stuff so for example, you have a raw material supplier. So uh, if you don't know this, like supplement companies uh, typically don't grow their own stuff. They buy that from other companies that specialize in growing the thing that they're using. You know, So if you're right. an herbal company, you are buying raw materials from all over the world and then you're bringing it to your shop and then you're f- making your formulations and then and you're, then you're doing the bottling and the encapsulation and the formulation work. So just in case people don't know that, but that's how it works, right? Um, if those both people, the raw material supplier and the manufacturer, both have financial incentive to uh, to do the wrong thing technically, right? Mm-hmm. The lower the cost of the raw materials and the higher the price, the better off they are, right? So the, the supplier, they want big margins. So say, for example, the standard price for a, a material is $10 a kilogram. If they can offer it for eight, right, but still maintain their margins, then they get more business, right? Um, so they want their costs to be as low as possible. So they're going to cut corners where they can to try to maximize their profits and, and try to get their their stuff in, in other places. And then the manufacturer, if if they can get um, those margins bigger, then 
then they make more profit. So it's it's a very basic like supply and demand kind of profit calculation, of course. But that's not what we want as consumers. We want people to be making the right choices. We want people to say, I want a good product. So I want you to take the time and get quality raw materials. So the supplier, they'll cut corners. You know, why go through all the trouble of farming, harvesting, extracting, and concentrating something like turmeric, for example, when you can just take rice powder and mix it with synthetic curcumin and yellow dye, and it looks just like turmeric powder. Hmm. And that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so... And But wouldn't the manufacturer say, well, that's fake stuff and they're supposed to catch it, but um, they're supposed to test stuff that comes in to verify it is what it is. And But that costs money. So we could do the right thing and test it or we could say, yeah, I'll take your word for it. And so then that leads to a problem, right? Um, that increases their margins. And the guy that's doing all the testing, they have lower margins and lower profitability. And the two companies are pr- both producing turmeric products that are going on the market. And how would a consumer know the difference between the two? Um, we would want somebody that tests extensively and then throws things out that doesn't meet it. So imagine buying a bunch of raw material and then having to discard it all and just wasted that money in the tests to try to find the high quality product. So, so like you can see that the people that are doing it right, there's a higher cost to doing it right. Um, so your manufacturers, they'll test for curcumin levels. They're going to say, okay, this is turmeric. If the curcumin levels are this, right, there are other tests to do, but the minimum amount of tests you have to do is at least that one test. So there's some companies that are testing extensively and there's some companies that are just testing for that one thing. So these crappy raw materials are getting into the supply chain and and people are getting products that they don't think they are. So, um, so you know, I love uh, making cookies and I love uh, mm. junk food. I just uh, pounded some M&Ms downstairs to get ready for this, to get all hyped up and sugared up for this. <laughs> so... Um, Let's let's use that same example, uh, but let's make the cookies. So I have to buy flour to make my cookies so I can get King Arthur flour, or I can get a bag from the guy in the Woodstock Green here at the center of the town that, that looks like he's literally been sleeping in dumpsters for a, a long time, right? He has a paper bag, and it looks like it's been through some, some stuff, and it says flour on the outside of it, and inside there's a white powder, and it looks like flour, but it could be anything. It could be that flour, or it could be flour plus stuff, or it could be nothing. Right? Could be cement. Could be cement. Could be cement. So um, you can look at it and say, oh, it looks good. And, um, you know, the King Arthur flower costs a certain amount. And this stuff from the guy in the green doesn't cost very much. So, you know, the only way around this, just as an aside, in, in the botanical world, is, and one of the things that we require is that um, if, if you're going to be selling bot- botanicals like herbals, we don't let them get drums of chemical. We want them to only either farm the stuff themselves so we know that it's an actual plant or they they buy plant instead of buying powder. So they buy the plant and then they pay an expert to look at the plants and say, oh yeah, that's definitely echinacea, right? Of the right species and, and, you know, and that's a legit healthy plant. And then they process it. So that's what we do in like 90% of the situation where we can. So hmm. that's, that's one way to do the right thing. But anyway, so, um, you know, that obviously is an issue for for this whole piece. So, um, you know the, the the big thing here is that whether you're making the cookie with the the uh, Woodstock Green uh, powder guy or <laughs> or you're making it with the King Arthur flour, you're both going to have cookies at the end of the day, right? How is a consumer supposed to know just looking at the label before they spend the money that they're getting one or the other? And it's 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 a real issue. And from the FDA standpoint, all that matters is that they, you know, if you're bottle says that you're getting cookies, you're getting turmeric, that there's turmeric in there. That's mm-hmm. all they really care about. So they don't care that you're getting the high grade turmeric or the low grade turmeric. They just care that it, it, it is what it says it is on the label. And that's an important thing. So the, the, the homeless guy's cookies, they're both cookies, right? And you're supposed to do the testing, but it's voluntary. And if you can fly under the radar, the marketplace has two cookies that say they're the same thing. So, you know, as a consumer, you know, you, you know, I see Dana shaking her head like I, that's pretty ju- <laughs> yeah, I jacked just, up, bro. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Like I I take my reputation so seriously. I can't understand why a company like I get profit margin. Mm-hmm. But in in order to uh, sustain your company for, you know, 100 years, however many generations you want to be in business, why I just don't understand why you wouldn't 
go for the higher quality products because you know it's going to pay off in the long run. Right, because I don't think that's what everybody's about. I think everybody's about the quick burn. They just want to yeah. get to scale and then they want to sell and that's it. Or they want to make their quick buck and, and, and dump. And just, you know, from a supplement company standpoint, it's actually funny. It's very difficult for uh, like a business like ours to get credit card processing on the internet because hmm. we're considered high risk selling supplements because so many fly-by-night companies will stand up a store, rip people off intensely and then just disappear. Interesting. So yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's like a little business behind the scenes thing. So, so yeah, so you can get cookies, you can get the homeless guy cookie, but you could be like low key exposed to some harsh chemicals or whatever cement that was in, in the thing. Um, and you know, there's also the, the potential for contaminants like heavy metals or allergens or whatever, or at best, it just doesn't taste good, right? You would have to eat three to five of the homeless guy's cookies to be as good of a taste as my my wife's cookies, for example, right? The mm. King, King Arthur flour. So by just eating the one cookie, you, you, you save money too, right? Because that homeless guy's cookie was only a dollar where my wife's are three bucks a piece. You know, but you have to eat five of theirs to equal one of ours. So who's really getting ripped off? And this is something that comes up a lot in the supplement world is that, um, you know, the price on the bottle you know, the price of the bottle is is a smaller piece of the picture versus the value that you're getting. You know, this CBD is the biggest example. People sure. are, you know, they're they're spending 40 bucks because, you know, 40 bucks is a reasonable price to them, but they're not getting one, a quality product that's, you know, contaminant free, but then they're also getting varying amounts of actual CBD in, in the product. So the cost per milligram is what you should be really looking for. So, oh, you know, that actually reminds me of what you touched on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, last time we went into fish oil a little bit yeah. and I work with uh, a couple of people who shop at your store and, um, uh, the one lady did mention how expensive your fish oil was. And after you pointed out how much fish oil a person needs during the day, I went home and checked what I was taking. Yeah. And each serving was only a hundred milligrams. And it says there was <laughs> 60 servings. So quick math, there's technically only two servings in that whole bottle. Right. A, yeah. And, mm -hmm. um, and so I thought to myself, oh, I should I should tell my coworker that the reason it's so expensive is because it's high quality and you have to take less of it so it will last you longer. Of course, yeah. I mean, it's it's not it's not about how much the thing costs; it's how much value you're getting for the thing. You mm -hmm. know, if I'm buying a chocolate chip cookie, I want as many chocolate chips in that mofo as, as possible. You know, <laughs> I'm so, saying. <laughs> so so and and fish oil brings up a, a good point. So. So, so yeah, so we have the people that are doing things wrong, like intentionally, and then you have the people that are doing things wrong, but they're just ignorant of the truth. And CBD is a great thing to kind of keep talking about because this is the prim, uh, the premier, premier example of this. CBD companies are the head in the sand companies of 2020. They are totally not um, paying attention to what they should be doing. Um, most CBD companies that are out there are like these Cheech and Chong types that are like, I want to just sell CBD. And you can get CBD from a raw material supplier. You can put CBD into a bottle. You can make a label, but you don't have to be knowledgeable about any of the other parts of the process. <laughs> so, And they're intentionally just saying, oh, well, I'm, I'm making a CBD product, but I'm not actually going through all the quality controls and everything like that. Um, you know, the biggest thing is if somebody comes in and they, and they're like, Oh, I'm, I have the CBD product. And I say, well, CBD is illegal. And I just wait to see what they say. And they're like, no, it's, it's legal. It's le <laughs> and, and, and they don't understand that. No, the legality of CBD, especially being sold as a product is not in flux. It's been stated that it is a illegal product that they're just not, you know, uh, going after anybody for. Uh, mm -hmm. and so, so the, the knowledge that somebody has about their industry is very critical, uh, in the decision of whether or not you should be doing business with these people. So when we're weeding out the weed heads, <laughs> we, uh, we're, uh, we're looking for that. What is your knowledge of the landscape of your industry and what are the pitfalls and, and, and CBDs it's like, you know, fish in a barrel, it's super easy. Like, you know, they're, you know, just throw a couple quality controls. So how often do you test for pesticides? What? You know, it's like, okay, okay. Yeah, we know what's going on. Um, yeah. That's interesting because I thought that uh, there was the difference in CBD that was legal or illegal. I didn't realize it was all legal. I thought the stuff with the negligible amount of THC was what was illegal because there was a crackdown in New York City recently. And, um, you know, the at, at my day job at my store, we sell CBD honey. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to mention where I work. <laughs> yeah, but, that's, but 
it's uh it's it's zero percent thc so i was like oh yeah this is fine totally there's legal. nothing yeah. yeah no absolutely and, um, not no that explains why it's not on our website yeah it's not on your website and and your credit card processor won't allow you to take credit card for that because it's can still considered federally illegal mm. the fda who's in charge of products that go to consumers, especially supplements like CBD, has said CBD is not a legal product. It's not something that can be sold. You can't put CBD in foods. They said that. We are the one that regulates that, and it's not allowed to be in there. Right now, hemp is legal, Mm -hmm. and so you can grow hemp, and you can make hemp products, but selling CBD as a supplement is an illegal thing. The DEA still looks at it as a Schedule One substance. It's as bad as cocaine. That, which is crazy because it's such a great pain reliever. <laughs> I really awesome. think someday it'll replace aspirin. Uh, here's my prediction is that the cat's out of the bag and so many people are having so many good responses. If they did pull it away, it would be like riots in the streets at mm. this point. I think what's going to happen is that you're going to have CBD companies will be limited to a certain concentration. So you'll only be able to get the highest test stuff at like dispensaries or prescription drugs and then you'll be able to get like a super low dose version in like everywhere you know oh yeah so like acetaminophen that's probably what's gonna happen right yeah so exactly like ibuprofen you can get like a low dose ibuprofen advil over the counter or you can get the prescription 800 milligrams which is like four of them you know yeah that's probably what's gonna happen but you know these guys that are ignorant of the truth are normally like startups or just people that are getting bad advice and this goes back uh to kind of what we're saying those people are paying experts to advise them on the rules and regulations. And those people aren't qualified to do that either. They're just a little bit smarter than they are, but they're not true experts. They don't know the full landscape or they're not going, they're not willing to, to share the harsh realities that are out there. So, you know, that, that is a a real problem. We've dealt with lots of companies before where we said, Hey, your label actually is in non-compliance. Can you make tweaks to it? So that way we can carry your product. And they're like, no, our lawyer says it's fine. Meanwhile, like you don't have to have this debate. It's not a debated thing. It's it's you go to the the FDA website and they have the exact list of what should and shouldn't be there. And it's it's clear as day. But you have somebody who's being, quote unquote, advised by an expert. And and you have this like ignorance that has somebody doing something the wrong way, Hmm. you know pretty interesting stuff. I bet you never knew any of this. I really didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, when you have the people that are doing things right, though, um, those guys can uh, be put into two classes, right? So the people that are trying for best in class, they're being thoughtful. You know, it's kind of like the chicken, right? You have different grades of food. You can get the Walmart chicken, mm-hmm. which I, I'm pretty sure most of us would agree that most of that is probably not high quality stuff, right? You're probably going to be exposed to some compounds that you really aren't <laughs> looking for in your chicken. Uh, or you can go to the local butcher that does all the, you know, the free range chicken and, you know, the, the diet is healthy and there's no antibiotics and all of that stuff. So there's, there's degrees. So you want when you're looking for companies that are doing things right, you want people that are thoughtful. Uh, and the thing for me is, is the difference between the people that are doing things right and are excellent. And then like the people that are doing things right. And they're just kind of like getting by, um, is like the rigor, how aggressive are they and how consistent are they? So are they asking all the tough questions? Are they, you know, like one of the things that I always do here is like if somebody, if one of their products doesn't meet our standards, we throw the brand out. See you later. You know, you know, is anybody, is, is that the level that you'll take it where you'll say, do the right thing or we're not, or we're not going to continue with you. And so is that happening at the raw material level? Is that happening at the supplier level, the manufacturer level? And from my experience and and the, the connections that I have in this industry, it's not. Most people are just kind of. Oh, well, and they're just kind of like looking the other way. And as long as they're doing minimal compliance, then then that's fine. So, mm-hmm. um, so you know, again, going back to like the CBD example, somebody who's acutely aware of the minutia of their industry, A to Z, that's somebody that you can trust. You know that, that they understand the whole picture. We sell CBD products, right? Um, and we know the risk. In fact, because of my license... Our, our risk is greater than somebody selling it at the t-shirt store, so that, which is horrible because I'm the one actually educating people on how to use it and the safety and all of that. Oh, don't use it because of your you know, potential for drug interactions. Oh, this is your dose and this is how you calculate the math. I'm doing all the right things, but I'm actually at higher risk because of the accountability tied to my license. So, but I'm saying I'm going to take this risk. I'm going to minimize my exposure to it. I'm going to make sure that I'm, I'm uh, being a consumer advocate. And, and yeah, so I am willfully 
moving around that, but I'm aware of the bigger picture, right? So, so again, it's not, it's not black or white. Like I painted originally, it's, it's a scale. Good people do shady stuff sometimes, <laughs> but like, wh- how does that fit in the entire context of it? Are you cutting corners for profit or are you trying to bring your integrity to this whole picture? And, and that's what, what, what I want people to look for. So, um, you know, so one of the examples I give about mediocrity is, uh, you know, we did an article on lutein. Lutein is mm-hmm. a, 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 it's an antioxidant that helps out with eye health is essentially right. what it's used for. And there's a couple different ways you can get lutein. You get plain old lutein just from any raw material supplier. And then there's branded lutein. So one of the ones that I like is Ludamax 2020. So these guys, they are really, really good about the, the quality controls and the formulation of the product stability. But then they also are spending money doing research. The research isn't great. It's not something that like, you know, you can write home about, but there's small studies that are showing positive uh, results. So again, in that chicken example, that's the higher end chicken, you know, that's right. the one that we want to go towards, you know, you can take lutein, but you may not be getting the benefits of that more sophistication. So, so while you might have a company that's making a really clean lutein product using the regular raw material, it's not as good as the best in class version, which is this higher grade raw material and, and, and all of those other considerations. So as you can see, it's, it's a spectrum. Right. Is there um, like, say, a website or something that you as as professional prefer to get good information that you trust? Well, part of the the problem is that there is not one. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if I could wave a wand and have my vision come to reality is that there would be one, you know, and everybody would have to follow that. And there would be you know, rankings, essentially, Mm -hmm. you know, um, there isn't. And it's a collective. Uh, There's a lot of steps to our process right now. So you know how like President Obama didn't know everything about every country in the world, but he had experts that would feed him that information if he needed it, right? That's Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, prominent people have that. They don't have time to do all the research. Obviously, Trump fired all them. <laughs> yeah, they don't work there anymore. Um, well, they're trying. They're giving him the paper. He's just not reading it. Sure, so fair. That's what's going on. So, but, um, so I kind of started doing that now as well. So I have companies that are um, behind-the-scene experts around quality, and they're giving me reports on a regular basis of supply chain issues and, and stuff like that. So that's something that I have to pay for, and, like, I have to be able to, trust in them and and they're and they're and so there are places that consumers can go but it's spotty at best mm-hmm. and what i'd like to do is um you know maybe you know we're gonna probably turn this into something in print and i may be able to get a list together for people of all the different places that they can look for these issues but it's really really tough if if you know the the point of this is that people are making hasty kind of decisions about who to trust because they're so overwhelmed mm-hmm. the amount of effort that goes in on every single pro you know we're not talking about chicken, we're, you know, which is just one thing. We're talking about a formula that could have anywhere from one to 50 different ingredients and then checking all of those things and then the processes to make the Like, it's a very intense process. So, you know, the um, it's difficult for consumers to get to that level. So all I'm saying is that the consumer needs to be aware that just because somebody's out there saying that their stuff is high quality, that doesn't mean anything to me at all. In fact, I ignore it. And what I want is I want transparency. I want to know about their processes. I want to know about where they're getting stuff from. I want to know about their quality control unit. I want to know what happens when they screw up. You know, I, all of these things are, are into consideration. So, um, you know, there's no visible difference to consumers. And that's part of the problem for me. Yeah, that, that is a huge problem. <laughs> so, but it depends on the savviness of the consumer too, you know. Uh, you know, I may know a little bit more about guitar so I can, you know, find that that goon that uh, <laughs> is, is going to teach me how to play, but I'm not going to have the skill set to, to, you know, be dynamic uh, within that. So let's talk about now experts and how we can bring this, uh, this to light, right, about experts and how there could be experts out there that are fakers, you know, without waiting for the, the mob to turn against somebody and say, boo, and, you know, like <laughs> burn down their house. We, you know, we want to know before um, how to make better decisions around who to trust in, in this industry. Um, so, and I'm talking about expertise within holistic or integrative care. I'm not saying that you need to not go to practitioners in wellness and just use doctors. That's actually the opposite of what I'm saying. If anything, I'm saying traditional doctors need to get hip to holistic care and integrative medicine. And I think that the alternative doctors need to get hip to science and rigor. That's Mm -hmm. really what I'm trying to say. And consumers need to be able to pull out the BS on both sides. 
So that's what I'm really looking at here. So um, beware of incremental expertise. This is what I've always uh, been so fascinated with. I go to conferences all the time uh, about um, marketing because I know nothing about marketing. So one of them was Social Media Marketing World. Great conference. But what I notice is that there's so many incremental experts out there. These people are teaching people how to run a run Facebook, but they they're not expert. Like what are you what, expert? <laughs> like they're just a little bit better than you would be at like blog, at, you know, putting Facebook posts up. Right. So it's just this incremental expert. So just because somebody knows a little bit more about you or is a little bit more well-read than you doesn't make them an expert in the subject. It's, it's a much broader, bigger picture. And people would say, oh, well, of course, but we are looking all the time at incremental experts. Jenny McCarthy became this, this thing with vaccines. Why? Why did she become, why did she become credible in this situation. And she was just an incremental expert. You know, she just knew uh, was a little bit more red and, you know, it doesn't matter if it was true or not. She just knew a little bit more and she sounded super convincing. So that it's something to, to be very, very, uh, concerned with. Um, so, so we have to know, understand like this whole process and how, how we're, um, subject to this whole thing. So, and not fall prey to celebrity, celebrity, anything like, you know, even me, like, don't take anything I say seriously. Like I'm just like <laughs> take it. But with do, a, but actually do. <laughs> but, no, no, don't. Like take it seriously, uh, but then verify it that I'm I'm actually not making stuff up. Because I mean that's the big thing here. I'm here. I'm selling something, you know, and I'm giving advice, and I'm saying don't trust other people. Like that seems pretty disingenuous. Like what the heck? So so what I'm saying is is that. Uh, you know, the integrity of that person is, is a huge piece. So, so going back to the idea of reviews, right? Mm-hmm. So we talked about it. Reviews can be doctored. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in fact, they pay people to write reviews Absolutely. Um, all the time. And um, especially from a local circle though, right? <laughs> if you're just saying, okay, so who's a good guitar guy? And you're asking like a few people, you're going to fall prey to confirmation bias. Like if you really want to work with that guy, then you're going to only listen to the people that said good stuff and you're going to ignore the bad stuff. Or if you think like, oh, Neil's a jerk. You know, if if you hear three people say, oh, he's actually not a jerk, he's, he's, he's a pretty reasonable dude. He's just stressed out all the time. That's why he's so, so mean <laughs> to his employees. No, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> so uh, so uh, and and so you're going to play up the bad stuff where he's like, oh, yeah, that guy's a real jerk, you know. And so confirmation bias is a real thing. So if you're just excited to work with somebody and you hear some good stuff, make sure that that doesn't, you know, uh, inform your decisions more than anything. So, you know. I don't check references on people typically when I hire them for like, especially entry level positions, because they're going to hand me a sheet of people that are going to just be like, yeah, they're good. Like, why would I do that? I would want to know more about like a more objective picture and, and talk to everybody that they've worked for before. And that would give me more information, right? If I, if I was trying to hire somebody here, right? Yeah, there's actually some kind of law that, I don't know, like you kind of can't besmirch someone's name or something like that. So you can't be honest if they call out every other week or if they were, you know, just kind of hung out behind the counter and didn't do any stocking or any cleaning or something like that. It it blows my mind. Like, what's the point of even checking a reference? (laughs) All you can say is, yes, they worked here. Right. I I normally say, let's give it a try anyway. And this goes to that, that first phase after you decide to go with somebody. So how does the relationship fit for us? And, you know, if it works, it works. But, you know... Again, the problem with reviews, we're not looking for a place to stay on vacation. This is something serious. We need to really consider more things than just reviews. Uh, you know, um, it's multifactorial. All the things that go into finding a trusted expert is not just one single thing. It's 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 a lot of things. Um, so licensing, right? We talk a lot about this. I've heard more often than not, I didn't know that this type of practitioner, whether it's, you know, a naturopath or whatever, actually doesn't have a medical degree. And again, I'm not beating up anybody that doesn't have a medical degree, but what I'm saying is is that licensing and credentials does add to the pile of good uh, when you're making this decision, right? So if you're unlicensed or unregistered with some sort of agency, you're technically unaccountable, Hmm. right? I've gotten those calls, I said at the beginning of the podcast, somebody got mad at a recommendation that we made. They, they thought it was in, um, uh, in against, I guess, what their doctor told them. So they came to us. We, at, we told them what to do, you know, for whatever reason. And they disagreed with it. And they thought it was so bad, they decided to call the State Board of Pharmacy on me. Now, do you have that protection anywhere else? You know, it, it was, and I, I, of course, I, I had everything documented, of course. So we 
spoke to the state board. We appreciated the fact that somebody was holding us accountable for what we were saying, but, you know, and we worked it out, but that checks and balance doesn't exist in the unlicensed world. So that's something to know is that, you know, the idea that like somebody's a nutritionist, like that doesn't require licensing or accreditation or, or have any accountability tied to it. And I think that's an important piece. Like you're shaking your head. What do you I, think? Again, because I just, you know, you think about people who present themselves as professionals and you're putting your health in their hands and hoping that they're not going to steer you wrong. Yeah. And to think that, um, you know, they could have taken like a, a three-day course at the community college, which I, I went to community college, no offense, yeah. but the, the fact that they can call themselves a professional and have no real type of license or accreditation yeah. is is frightening, frankly. Yeah. And so this actually gets into a really good point because there's two types. So if somebody has a license that that says a lot about something. So first that they have an education, right? Um, you know, the accountability is the other piece, mm. but the education is the more important piece. Education is not just those courses. Those courses are important. It's important to know what an omega-3 fatty acid is. We, we're building out courses to teach other unlicensed people how to do supplements better. Like I think it's important up to have that education. But the piece that's missing from an unlicensed practitioner, somebody that doesn't have this degree, is the the, the beatdown that you get <laughs> in medical school, right? Um, so there's a clinical aspect to your education where you're managing real people, real cases under a supervised setting, and those supervisors like to beat you up. That's like a hazing process with the medical <laughs> industry. And of course, it's like a lot of it is for a good reason. There's real consequences that if you tell somebody wrong information, that it'll ripple and they'll be held accountable and such. So, you know, that supervision, like I said, it can be harsh sometimes. You get beat up. Um, I've got a great example. So I, I did a rotation six weeks at a heart transplant unit at one of the, the big hospitals in the region. So mm. heart transplant unit. That's pretty serious stuff. Right. So we were managing the medications. My practitioner says, go ask the lead doctor of this division, which is like super serious stuff, obviously, He's giving people new hearts to switch this medication. And I'm like, no, that I wouldn't want to do that. Right. And so I go over and I, I'm like sheepishly make this recommendation and, and the volume <laughs> <laughs> that gets sent at me. And and so, you know, I learned very quickly that you should not make recommendations unless you're, you're, you're really building a case. You know, you're really, you really have proof. Like it's a measured response. So that the guy at the health food store, do you think that that's the kind of experience he's had where he's gotten yelled at by, you know, like, even if it's not getting yelled at, if you, if I got great instruction about how to, um, possibly, uh, inform somebody or, or, or make that recommendation, uh, in a better manner or why that recommendations work, but that process, it, it, there's, there's, there's something to that process. It's, it's a feedback mechanism, right? I make a recommendation and if it's garbage, I, pay the price for it while I'm learning, right? So I learned that. So the feedback mechanism is for me to make better recommendations. I better have lots of evidence and I be, better be able to defend that evidence. So, oh, why are you making that recommendation? Well, this paper says this and this paper says that. That paper's garbage. And I'm like, no, 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 this paper is good. And so that process makes better, uh, more measured responses. Um, and and the, the feedback system that's learned in this part of the education process is that you know, you're, you're, you're basically making smarter recommendations that are in the best interest of that patient. Um, you can be innovative. It's not like we're being sheepish and we're only being told what to do. You can, you can, you know, come up with new ideas, but you just better be able to defend them. Mm. That makes, yeah. like, that's a big difference yeah. between somebody that's not licensed and not going through those pieces. And as a healthcare practitioner that's now out in the wild, my feedback system is different than somebody else. Um, so I'm looking for things that are working, things that don't work, right? When I make my recommendations to my patients, um, I'm trying to like figure out what the difference between the different patients are when when I'm making these recommendations. I'm incorporating new information, new, new products, new um, studies, and I'm working with colleagues. So I can't tell you the number of conversations I've had with infectious disease doctors or, or sleep specialists that have been practicing for 30 years. And they're like, oh, well, Neil, actually, this is what we would do in this situation. That's way different than anybody else that's kind of like in a, in a, in a bubble, in a, in a silo, right? Mm. Um, so now you know, I'll, I'll post to you. So what's the feedback cycle of somebody that doesn't have that, right? If, if people are making decisions based on reviews, people are making decisions based on, um, 
whether other people like them. Not based on, are they giving me the right information? Are they giving me the reality, right? Because that's what I was taught to do, is to be more more responsible in, in what's going on, because otherwise the guy was going to yell at me, right? And <laughs> the, 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 the good, you know, it's for the patient's good. So, but the other guy is just trying to make people happy to get more reviews, to get more business, right? So his feedback mechanism is to, is to just placate people, right? I mean, in general. Yeah. Isn't that, that's like a huge uh, problem with... Um with with doctors being reviewed now, it really affects, um, you know, like it affects their bedside manner. And and if somebody, you know, if they if they tell somebody that they're overweight and that the you know their heart health really depends on them slimming down, and the person takes offense and they give them a bad review and they don't get paid, yeah. And it, it you know I I think over uh, you know over years that would make somebody resentful and in general make you not as willing to do your job because you don't want to. You know, well, yeah, I mean, the real effect is, is that uh, people will, uh, well, you know, again, people with integrity will just ignore the, the, the reviews. Mm -hmm. But if you're a part of a bigger system where you're getting pressure to make the reviews better, then you, this is why people prescribe antibiotics when it's not necessary. Because right. they don't want to make their long-term customers hate them uh, because the customers, the patients want those antibiotics. So we're doing the wrong thing by over-prescribing antibiotics just to keep people happy. We know that this stuff happens. People all the time will point to big pharma's influence over doctors by, and we know that that's a thing. So again, pointing to this feedback mechanism of trying to make people happy, that is a thing. We know that that happens and that is their major kind of uh, feedback system versus the, you know, the other, uh, the other piece where, where again, my, the answer that I will give somebody to a, a question about, does this work for this is going to be dramatically different than somebody that is, um, that doesn't have the same experience as me. So, um, and that's an important thing to remember is that, um, because of my license, I, there's a lot more to risk, but you know, let's, let's be honest, <laughs> just because you're a doctor doesn't mean that you're giving good advice either. Dr. Oz is a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> he, I have not found anything he said to be true, and I don't even watch him that much. Right. Well, I mean, like, and he, I guess he was a really great surgeon. That's the, the word on the street is that he was like, he's a really smart guy. But then mm -hmm. he became this persona that was pushing quackery, and it was a pay-to-play system. People would pay to get on his show, and then they would sell the crap out of their supplements. Um, so, you know, there's this huge issue. So, you know, I've, I, you know, I've heard too much, oh, this person's a pharmacist. So they must know what they're talking about. Again, I'm not saying that credentials are the only thing you need. Neither are reviews or social proof. All of these things are important when deciding who to work with. And we have to take the whole picture uh, into consideration when we're making these decisions. So the, you know, the, the one thing, I, again, the thing I wanted to bring into light here talking about this idea of credentialing is the, the, the two pieces. The, what my education looks like, not just from, oh, I took a lot of classes in it so I could take classes and, and be as good. No, there's the clinical aspect to a medical professional where you would learn how to make more reasonable responses. And then the other side is the accountability. So, uh, but that can be exploited too. I mean, to be quite honest with you, finding some source of credibility is the cornerstone to modern marketing. Mm. Right. They teach you what's your slant to make you more credible. And and so that way people can trust you because it's about attention, trust and then profits come from that. So so people say crazy stuff or people I'm the most trustworthy guy in the world. And that's how they make profits. So so we have to understand that credibility matters, but it's just a piece of the, the pie. It has to be taken in consideration with everything. So, you know, like the cold medicine that was formulated by a teacher. Oh, yeah. And people are like, oh, well, it was formulated by a teacher. I'm like, an English teacher? Like, my English <laughs> teachers were sweet, but I don't know if they would know how to do any of that, right? Like, what does that make any sense? So, you know, it, it's just, you know, what I really would say from a practitioner standpoint, uh, I want somebody that's humble enough to say that they don't know. I want somebody that's humble enough to, to, to say there's not enough evidence, right? I, I don't want these crazy claims. I don't want all, all this, this madness. So, you know, one more example, my shrink, again, we were talking about this. Mm. So, so he said, you know, I was trying to pick out a, a GI doctor for my colonoscopy and he's go, you know, so lots of good reviews, credentialed and, um, great bedside manner. So then we're having the conversation and he starts, you know, these are the risks of the colonoscopy, 2% risk of perforation of your colon. And he's like, whoa, no, 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 hang on a second. How many colons have you poked holes in? <laughs> 
You know, <laughs> I don't care about the statistics, man. Tell me about your practice and your experience. And, and again, that goes to it. What is this person's experience as a licensed professional or an unlicensed professional? What's your true experience and what are your real outcomes? That plays more to the fact than whatever other nonsense we're talking about. That's so. that's a really good point, pointing out those semantics, because that yeah. little bit of difference makes all the difference. <laughs> you bet it does. So just like with manufacturers, we have two groups of practitioners, people that are doing the right thing and people that are doing the wrong thing, whether it's intentional or unintentional. So, you know, the big thing here is like, what can we do? Um, and what we can do is demand transparency. We have to have conversations. We have to do the work. We want to take these shortcuts and just go for whatever, but that's a really, um, unwise decision because there's so many, uh, complicated things. There's so much on the line here. Um, you have to do due diligence. Um, you know, Ooh, that person's a doctor or, Oh, they, they said that they had good luck with them. They have lots of experience. All of these things are important, but they have to be all taken together as, as a part of the bigger picture. So, you know, supplement companies I hear all the time, oh, that brand is good because they're sold everywhere or they sell a lot of products. Well, that that's only part of it. You know, like uh, that's that really is determined by how much money they have to market their product because you can market the snot out of your product and get it everywhere. And like people will think just because of that, it's it's credible. You know? Well, that actually turns me off if I see it everywhere, because that makes me think that the quality is lower because if it's in like a big box store, you know, those are the lowest prices you can find generally. And um, when you hear about, you know, because I do a smidge of research when it comes to vitamins <laughs> and I know that there a ton of fillers go into it. Mm -hmm. And I would think to myself that a company like Nature's Bounty or Sundown or something like that would be just mostly filler and then the, you know, like you said, the bare minimum mm -hmm. of what it takes to actually qualify as a supplement. Yeah, you're right. So like Nature's Bounty, for example, and 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 so they're not bad, I would say, but they're firmly in the middle. They might be, you know, doing the things that's legally required of them, but they're not going to be using the high-end ingredients and such. But to say, oh, because they're everywhere, they're high quality, or because they've been around for a while, they're high quality, that doesn't, that doesn't really work. So you know, I guess to summarize this whole thing, it's just about the amount of effort that we have to put into it and be, just be aware of all these kinds of tricks. We'd say fake news <laughs> uh, with politics now, but this has been a part of supplements for a long time. There's a lot of misinformation and propaganda to get you to uh, uh, part with your money. That's really the, the main goal. So, and the reason that I'm, I'm taking this position is because I, I don't want you to waste the money on the guitar lessons with the guy that's going to only get you so far. You might get quick results right away, but it's not the best strategy for you. Um, so, you know, we, we want you, you know, just think of me as an example, right? So what are my credentials? You know, I watch American greed all the time, right? <laughs> you, you've seen that show. Everybody on that, every single episode is the same thing. Oh, the person sounded really good. Oh, I, I <laughs> they, they told me that they were an expert in, in, in investing and like how many people can fall for this, but this is what's happening all the time. So beat me up, right? So I'm a pharmacist. So there's that credential. I've got lots of great reviews. Lots of people like me. I've got bad reviews too. People are like, oh, he doesn't believe in what I believe in or he's a jerk or whatever, right? And all of this has to be taken in consideration with what my bias is. I'm trying to grow my business. I'm trying to 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 to, to do this. But there's another piece to, to this whole thing, which is, which is what am I trying to do from uh, a values standpoint, right? So integrity is important to me. I want to, I want to improve the game. I, you know, if I sold no other supplements, but this silly little podcast made people think better about this, which then forced other companies to like actually do the high quality stuff. That's our big goal here. So we have to take all of these factors into consideration when we're finding, uh, the brands and the experts to work with in, in the, in the industry. So preach, preach on bro. All right. Thanks, Dana. Sure thing. <laughs>